So started that first Sunday, a couple Sundays down the road. I keep reading it every Sunday until one Sunday, maybe a month then, I decided that I was going to try to apply it to my life. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. For more info on the Reclamation Podcast, find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Aldo B. Martin. Today we have Dell from New York with us. And Dell has been successful in corporate America. Um, You've traveled the world uh, for one of your jobs. You've set financial and career goals, and you've met them. Regardless of how long it might have taken you, you've met them. And you've gotten into business for yourself, which I think is is, is one of the bravest things uh, to do, to kind of work without a net, so to speak. Right? And however, that's not why we're here today. Today, you're currently an advocate for mental health awareness as it pertains to men. Can you speak to us about the kind of work that you do regarding that? Uh, yeah, so for the past few years, I've been volu- volunteering with a nonprofit where I go around the city. You know, since COVID happened, it's been a lot of virtual stuff. So via Zoom, where I have conversations with audiences at uh, large corporations, um, inpatient mental health facilities, graduate students, medical students, you know, a a very broad population of of New York where I talk about, you know, my experience of living within with a mental illness and not having it treated and everything that comes with that, along with, you know, transitioning to getting help and seeing a psychiatrist and a therapist, uh, getting a diagnosis and how that's helped me live with you know my depression with my anxiety my suicidal ideations and what i do to stay mentally healthy and strong so that's a, a lot of what those conversations uh consist of and they've been quite helpful for the folks who have been listening as well as just talking to any person that will open up to me about any sort of anxiety that they're having. Usually I'll ask, you know, one time I was talking to uh, someone I had met through my wife and he was telling me that his wife had quit her job and he was going to be the sole breadwinner because they were about to have a kid and the level of pressure and anxiety and stress that he had. And I told him that I had been going to therapy and he, and I gave him the number to where I was going and, he went and checked it out. And a year later, he's like, hey, man, I want to take you out and get you some drinks just to thank you for referring me over there because it's really changed my life and made me a better man. So I think and one of my, my, my one of the things I, I love to do is, is talk about my experience with it and help people see that they're not alone and how to get help. Before all of this began, however, you joined the church in the year 2000, the church that we've been discussing on this podcast. And you joined as a high school senior. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Can you talk to us about that, please? Yeah. This, I joined the summer 
towards the, the end of my junior year going into my senior year. You know, if we rewind before me joining the church, I was, you know, a degenerate. And I was a bit of a, a That's a that's a strong word. That's a strong word. Can you elaborate on what it means to be a degenerate? All right. So I'm in ninth grade. I think most of my time in school, and I went to school in New York City. I grew up in Harlem, right? So school wasn't necessarily my number one focus. I think I got good grades because it was easy. However, when I got to high school, my first high school that I went to, I my freshman year, it was a brand new high school. And the teachers and the principal, everyone who was there were phenomenal. And I had built a great relationship with them. And so much so that I had ran for class president that year. Oh, you that guy. Yeah, I was that guy. Okay. Um, Just because they made me... It was the first time where I just felt like I had a fresh start. And these people believed in me. And they really made me feel good about myself. Okay. They left. They brought in a whole new staff. And with that, my attitude towards school shifted. It plummeted. Um, yeah, uh, I no longer felt the desire to do well in school or focus academically. Um, and then going into the start of sophomore year, I got even worse um, just because, you know, before school, I would I'll smoke a blunt before I got to class, come in high, didn't really care about my grades, you know, Walking past the classroom with dice in my hand and shaking them and trying to get people to come roll dice with me. Stole the keys from my teacher to sneak upstairs to smoke weed and even sneak into sneak school. Sneak upstairs, upstairs where? To the to the school roof because I had the keys. And so the alarm wouldn't go off if I, you know, as long as you got the keys. And, you know, eventually I ended up hitting a teacher in the head with an apple and got caught. And I got, you know, kicked out of school. So, so you know, this is kind of the basis of, of where I'm starting. Yeah. Yeah. What was your, what was your, your dad's reaction with the, with the Apple incident? And it was rough because they, they called my, I thought I was being smart by, cause my dad and mom weren't married. I thought I was being smart by putting my dad down as my contact, even though I lived with my mom. They called my dad, and my dad calls me and says, I'm coming to parent-teacher night. So we go to the school, and I probably had six different teachers, and every single teacher gave a terrible report about me. They handed him a folder that was probably an inch thick of write-ups that they had been doing on me. My dad, we get on the elevator... My dad's a calm dude. He's talking to the teachers. They he, he's, the he's not reacting at all when they're speaking to him. Nope. Nope. And he flexes on me. <laughs> I jump. And he's like, I gotta cave your fucking chest in. He's like, you bring me down here and embarrass me like that? So we get off the elevator. He doesn't hit me. My dad never really hit me. Um, we're walking home. And... He just grabbed me and threw me up against the gate, feet off the ground, and he made it very clear. He's like, you're going to get your shit together. Hemmed you up against the gate? 
feet off the ground. Feet off the ground, holding you by your shirt collar or something like that? It was winter. Hands underneath my, my armpits. I'm up. I don't even know how he managed to get it up like that so easy. You're levitating. Yes. I'm up against this gate. And my the look in my dad's eyes, all I see is rage. And he's like, you going to get your shit together. He's like, you're not, you not going to do this. I was a bit terrified. Of course. I'm terrified now. And I start to, you know, I... I Eventually, I ended up going to, I had to go to, to a court hearing over what happened. My mom went with me this time. With the apple? Yeah, about the apple. Because um, my mom went, went with me to court. And I could see the level of disappointment in her. Yeah. Um, because I always did. I was always, you know, back and forth and, and doing mischievous things. Yeah. But I never really got caught. So this was kind of like the first time that I got caught and was in real trouble. And I told her, I promised her, I said, you'll never have to come to school for me again. Um, and I kept my word. That happened going in, that was sophomore year. And then once I got into junior year, I remember this very vividly. You know, I was still smoking weed and it was a Sunday afternoon and I'm in my building smoking a blunt and then i decide i said you know what i'm gonna go downstairs and i'm gonna read the bible okay so you just had that thought that's premonition out of nowhere out of nowhere i'm gonna read the bible why the bible uh i think it was the only book that was i'm really thinking it was just it was sitting on my window i mean we always had bibles but i i wasn't religious we didn't go to church and i just said I'm going to read the Bible today. And probably because it's easily accessible too, right? Because yeah. when here, at least in Western thought, when people want to change their lives, we'll go to the Bible. Yeah. So, all right. So go on. Yeah. So I go downstairs, go in my bedroom. I spend a couple hours reading the Bible. Now, my couple job, hours. Yeah. A couple hours. I was, I guess it was some good weed. But I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I spent a couple hours um reading and what was surprising is that i never really read i hated to read as a kid i always found it ridiculously boring and it just wasn't something that i did out of enjoyment it was more out of necessity for school so started that first sunday a couple sundays down the road i keep reading it every sunday until one sunday maybe a month then i decided that i was going to try to apply it to my life and now, what are you reading at this point? Are you just reading the Bible from cover to cover, or are you just reading different parts in between? My goal was to read it from cover to cover. So you're going in, in, in sequential order? Yep. Start off in Genesis. And so you're going hardcore with it. Yeah. What was wild is I went and bought a notebook and started taking notes on what I was reading. Oh, boy. Um, just because I wanted to jot down what I was thinking and, and how I was processing things. And so now you have this thought where you want to apply this to your life. Yeah, I started applying it to my life. And now this this is you reading if you're going from the beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hardcore. Yeah. So what are you applying to your life? All right. So first I said I'm gonna stop lying. That was number one. Um so I, I stopped being a liar, just start telling the truth. Then there was, I forget, it was either Leviticus or Deuteronomy, but it was a bunch of rules that they had set out for the Israelites where, you know, don't cut, 
don't trim the edges of your hair. Don't trim the edges of your beard. So no hairline. No hairline. No hairline in Harlem. No hairline in Harlem. This is coming from a kid who had 360 waves since junior high school. And let my spinners grow out. I had a fro. I stopped um, wearing uh, clothing woven of more than one fabric. I remember going into Macy's and not being able to find anything. I didn't know that was a thing. That is a thing. That is a thing. Because um, I, was, I was trying to figure out all the stuff. And I said, well, I'm going to apply all these things. And so I started to apply that. And so and now your hair has grown out. Hair's grown out. And, to- and, and your whatever facial hair that you might have. No just facial grown. hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No facial hair. I just remember that that was part of one of the requirements. But then I remember having a conversation with my dad about reading the Bible. And he told me to read the book of Proverbs. And he said, there's a lot of wisdom in there. And so I got to Proverbs. And if anyone's ever read that book, it's a very easy read. But it's, there are all these very short statements that you can easily apply to your life. And I decided, and that's kind of what steered me in a direction to uh, become a better student, uh, really start pursuing becoming well-read and knowledgeable. This is, this is really fascinating as this has just, it's almost like a self-induced turnaround. You seem to just have this self-started 180. So how does that get us involved with the church, however? Okay. I'm in my math class. Remember I told you I started reading you know, Proverbs and it talks all about wisdom, knowledge, understanding. I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. One of my and, favorites. And I never forget he was talking about his time in school. Hold up. Do you remember? You were the one that told me to read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Because when we met, I had never read it. And you gave me the look, the same look you're giving me right now. <laughs> you said, man, you never read the autobiography of Malcolm X? I was like, nah. You're like, you need to read that. And I was like, all right. And I remember I went in and got it and got a copy. And here it is on my shelf as one of my, one of my top favorites. So... Thank you for that, young man. Continue. So I read that, and something that jumped out to me was he mentioned that he was the number one student in his class in elementary school. Malcolm. Yeah. So he said he played basketball, and I think he told his teacher he wanted to be a lawyer. But I just remember him saying that he was the number one student in his class, and I was inspired by Malcolm X, and so I wanted to be like him. And so I took that as, let me go and be the number one student in my class. I'm in math. I was always really good at math. This girl in my class, she she asked me for my number so I could help her with her math homework. We exchanged numbers. We start talking on the phone. I'm helping her with her problems. And then eventually she says, hey, do you want to come to my church on a Sunday? It's a great church. And my rebuttal was, no. You know, Christianity Christianity was used to enslave black people. I'm not touching that. Not going. And and you're also saying this while you look like a junior black Israelite. Yes. Got it. Exactly. And she kept asking, kept asking. And then eventually we became cool. And so I said, okay, I'll come. So I went. 
And after the service, I remember the there were a group of you know people who were about my age all in high school. They walked up to me and they said, Do you want to study the Bible? And I went to Riverbank State Park because the church we were at was up on like like 145th and 150th in Amsterdam. Yeah. And so went over to Riverbank, sat down in the park, studied the Bible. Um, and it was, it was interesting. I didn't really think much of it after that study, but what sort of got me hooked in was, you know, I was kind of, I came home from my part-time job and the guy who I had studied the Bible with called me on the phone and he said, how was your day? And I remember how much that stood out to me because I was 16 or 17 at the time and no one had ever asked me how my day was and actually wanted to know. Nobody in your family or nobody in the church? Or you mean nobody in life? What do you nobody mean? in life, I can recall just saying, how was your day? So that had a profound impact on you then? It did. I thought to myself, wow, this person is genuinely interested in how my day was and how I'm doing. And to be fair to this person, he probably was interested. So continue. So this guy calls you up to ask how your day was. This blew you away? Just, yeah. the, just the gesture of it? Yeah, so the gesture of it. And then um, to really you know, put the, the nail in the coffin, <clears throat> uh, this guy, he's, he's my friend to this day, uh, my boy Mel. He and I started hanging out. So I'm still I'm coming to service every Sunday. I'm going to all of the, the activities that high school students do within the church. Turns out this guy lives about five or six blocks away from me. And he also goes to my high school. Oh, man. It gets no better than that. Yeah. And he's he's just a he's a pure hearted, fun loving dude. And he's telling his mom, this is going to be my best friend. And. I mean, I was the best man in this guy's wedding. <laughs> so he predicted the future. Yes, he did. He predicted the future. And so now, I, because, you know, I'm, I'm going from changing my life, doing this 180. So I had to cut off my friends, right? So the kids that I was hanging out with, I said, I'm not hanging out with these guys anymore. So now I'm, I'm by myself, sort of in this world. And I'm, I'm trying to figure things out as a 16, 17 year old. And now I have a new best friend who I'm hanging out with. But who's who's also in the same organization. Yeah. Now now you guys have the same purpose too. Yeah, we have the same purpose. So him and the girl who invited me From math class? Yeah, from math class, they were boyfriend and girlfriend before they joined the church. Yes. And so now I have I have a crew of friends. If, if, if I may, uh, for the audience, one of the requirements for this church, and Del, uh, feel free to chime in and tell me if I'm wrong, but one of the requirements for this church was if you were studying the Bible, uh, one, you know, if you were a, a, a recruit, we'll call it, and you had a girlfriend, if you were a guy and you had a girlfriend, you had to break up with her. In order for you to be a member of this church, in order for you to be baptized, you got to break up with her. On the other side of the coin, if you're a woman who had a boyfriend and you were trying to be a part of this church, you had to break up with him. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And if you were a couple that came in together, right, boyfriend and girlfriend, 
y'all had a breakup. So that was that. So it's, I, I just want the audience to know that because as you're saying, you know, they were boyfriend and girlfriend, but broke up. It wasn't because they had uh, a, a, a break, uh, an argument or something like that. No, that was a requirement from the church. Yeah, it was a requirement. Yeah. So now I have this group of friends. Um, however, despite reading the Bible and everything else, I definitely had an existential crisis. And I started to ponder you know, what my meaning in life was, what my purpose in life was, why was I here? And I remember sitting down and studying the Bible and doing this one study called discipleship where, you know, the call to action at the end of the study was go make disciples of all nations. As you're saying, studying the Bible, this is now under the guidance of the church. Yeah, under the guidance of the church. Because you were reading the Bible before on your own. But now when you say study the Bible, we're talking about these structured lessons that the church was given. Yeah. And this particular lesson, discipleship. Yeah, discipleship. So they said, go and make disciples of all nations. And... So, and the call to action was to go out and share my faith with people. And so for so long, I wanted to have a purpose or a mission. I took that as my purpose in life is to go out and save people and bring them to God. And that was, that really, after, after, after that call to action, I was all in. That's remarkable because uh, it seems like you were looking for something. You were looking for a purpose, like you said, and here it is. Here it is. Go make disciples of all nations. And it's written in the Bible. Yeah. A book that you were already reading before. Now, let me ask you this, though. I think the audience needs to know or wants to know. Did you start to cut your hair and get your, 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 uh, your lineup back and start wearing double... Material clothing? Like, what happened? Yeah, so actually, I had someone had to talk with me in the <laughs> church about that after I joined up. Oh, so while you were studying the Bible, you were still, you were still, yeah. you still had that look. Yeah, I still had that look, man. I mean, this is coming from a kid who loved Jordans and Air Max and Fitteds, all that stuff. And I said, that's vain. That's not like Jesus. And I'm... You know, I kind of my perception of a of a person who who loved God was someone who didn't care about material things, and so I I'm wearing cheap busted sneakers. I didn't care. Oh boy, <laughs> Yo, you really went from one extreme to another. Yeah, totally totally different extreme. And then um, once I joined, I remember my discipling partner and my mentor saying, "Hey, you know, you need to sort of clean up." Your look. Because you're not sharp, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then I went back. So I started, you know, I was working. So I went and bought some better clothes and I cut my hair, got my spinners back because they said I didn't have to. They said that th those requirements were a part of the Old Testament. And, th and because Jesus died, you know, we no longer have to adhere to those laws. And so feel free to wear clothing woven of more than two fabric, more than one fabric. And How'd you feel you know, about that? Were you like, yes. Were you relieved or were you like, okay, whatever? I was kind of disappointed. Really? Yeah. Why? Because 
Now I had to care about how I looked. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So go on, go on. Um. So so then that so so that happened. So I find that, and I'm just I'm completely all in. We're in now. Let me preface this by saying that we're in one of the worst high schools in New York City. Who's we? Uh, me, my boy Mel, and his and his girl. We'll call her Kay. All right, uh, his ex girlfriend Kay. So three disciples now. Yeah, so we're three disciples in this high school. Yeah, it was one of the worst. I mean, I only ended up there because I had gotten kicked out of my other high school, my first high school, and then I ended up going there and. Yeah, I mean, metal detectors, gangs, all that stuff. Um, so it was, a, it was a rough place, but we came back to school and we had convinced the principal to let us pray for the school and share a Bible verse after the Pledge of Allegiance every day. On the loudspeaker? On the loudspeaker. Okay. I just need to... I just need to understand what I just heard. So are you saying that in this high school, what you describe as a terrible place, wasn't safe? Can we say that? Definitely not safe. You convinced the principal, the three of you convinced the principal to allow the three of you to get on the loudspeaker every morning and share a Bible verse and pray for the school. Yes. So you did this every day. Yeah. And we had a Bible discussion group. In the school that met on Thursdays, and of course, I'm sure you would use that time on the, on the, uh, uh, on the, on the loudspeaker, to promote the Bible study. Yes. You know how radical that is. You realize no one does that, right? No, you're the first person that I'm. I'm talking about even in the church, no one has done that. What made you want to do that? Next time on. The reclamation. I had a sense of urgency that I wanted to, you know, in my mind at that time, I said, everyone here is going to hell. 